at the heart of Christianity, at the heart of what the Bible teaches, lies a premise. What is a premise? A principle, a, a presupposition, an, an assumption that we are created by God and that everything, including us, belongs to Him. And we exist for Him and we are sustained by Him. And that ultimately our life and the purpose of our life is for Him, for His glory. That, that this world and our life is not ultimately about us, but it's about Him. And therefore, when we try to find our place in this world, when we try to find purpose for our lives, We need to find it in Him. When we want to know what direction we should take, we need to find that direction from Him. And when we look at the creation of man, we see that God made us to be a certain kind of creature. And I would like to um, name it. He called us to be stewards. Can you say stewards? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Say have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. Say subdue it. And have dominion. Say dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we can see God makes us like Him in His image, male and female. And He says, take dominion, subdue the earth. Rule over it. And so He gives us a purpose and a mandate to rule under him. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Say work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. That word work it in Hebrew, I can't pronounce it. I have no idea. It's a whole bunch of little scribbles you know I can't read Hebrew but what it means 
is to hedge about to God, to protect and to attend to it. Man was put in the garden to work it and to care for it. He wasn't just put in the garden to enjoy it or to eat its fruit or to watch the animals or to sit in the sun and sunbathe in it. He was put in the garden and he was made with a purpose and a mandate and a responsibility. So Adam was made a steward of the garden. But what are you and I made stewards of? I learned on power through position, there is power in pausing <laughs> and thinking. So think. Adam was given a garden. What have you been given to be a steward of? Think about it. We're going to take the next full 60 seconds and you can think. Any ideas? Yes. Good. So everything that's in your sphere of influence, your family, your children, your workplace, your everyone you encounter. That's a good answer. See what happens when you think. <laughs> Any other ideas about what we have been made stewards of? Leroy. Very good. For those of you who didn't hear that, all the gifts that God has put uniquely in you, you've been made to steward that because only you can be that to the world. And so the gifts that he's put inside of you, not just the gifts that are around you. Sure. Yes. Okay, like, like ambassadors 
to represent him on earth. Good. Yes. You're a steward of your treasure. And my time and my and your time and your talents. That's true. Your time, your tra- talents and your treasures. Yes, Brad. Now we're going, now we're going somewhere. We must be stewards of our heart because all of the issues of life flow from the heart. Yes, Mike. Okay. So Mike is saying that our time in prayer, because prayer is so powerful, we need to look after that and steward it well. For those of us who pray. (laughs) The Bible clearly teaches that the earth is the Lord's and all of life is the Lord's. Everything belongs to Him. We belong to Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 it says... Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So everything belongs to God. Even I belong to God. It's not just what I have or or, or my, my things. or my. I myself belong to Him. We all belong to Him. And yet... We are made to be stewards of every part of our lives, of our hearts, of our time and our talents and our our treasures, of our minds, of our gifts, of our influence sphere. We have to be stewards, as Brad said, of our hearts. David looked at his heart, and he spoke to himself. And he said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? He realized that the state of his heart was his responsibility. The state of his thinking, the state of his emotions, the state of his beliefs was his stewardship, his responsibility. Anybody ever feel down? Okay, it's not just me. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, anyone, anyone ever feel angry? Anyone ever feel like um, uh, a bit lost? Like, okay, don't all put up your hands. Our minds are a stewardship. What we think is a stewardship. The stewardship is not doesn't belong to Netflix, it belongs to us. It doesn't belong to YouTube, it belongs to us. And we choose what we think about. I got a phone call from Dan last night. I was busy spending time with my boys and playing with them, and and, and Dan phoned me, he says, I've just been spending some time with the Lord, and I was just, you know, blown away by this thing that the Lord said to me. I'm like, okay. Dan is stewarding his mind well. He's thinking about things of the Lord at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. 
Our minds are a stewardship. Our bodies are a stewardship. I didn't realize that for about 46 years. Our families are a stewardship. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives and care for them as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. And then it says, wives, respect your husbands. And then it talks about children, and it says, children, obey your parents. And it talks to parents and says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. And, and so this, the relationships we have, our family is a stewardship. In power through position over the past two or three days, most of us have got wounds that we carry in our hearts because of how we were treated by our parents. Because of things they said to us or didn't say to us. Because of what we needed from them and didn't get from them. Or what we didn't need from them but got from them. And so the stewardship of family is very, very important. Our finances are our responsibility. I know that's a new concept. Our friends, our neighbors, our communities, our whole life is a stewardship that has been given to us by God. So, Moving on, now that we know that everything is a stewardship, I have a question. And the question is, what is required of us as stewards? Take 60 seconds and think, and then I'll pick on one or two people, like Sam. It might not be said, but what is required of us as stewards? Instead of just thinking in the air, can I, can I read a scripture and that will give you some, some clues? Okay, Luke chapter 12, verse 41. Joey, you're the best reader of us all. Can you come and read this for us, please? Luke 21, 41 to 48. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to him, himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating 
will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Ed? It's in the Word. What's in the Word? Our responsibility. So, so, so what is required of us as stewards? Hand at the back. Very good. So what she said is, from what I could hear, it's required of you to take care of the master's goods, to take care of each and everything that God has put and, and given to you to steward. So to take care, right? Okay, that's good. Any Help me. Yes, Tanya. To be faithful. To be faithful is the first point that is required of a steward. We've all been given a life. Yes, Alistair. Wisdom is the second one. Those are the two parts. Yeah, it's so nice having a clever congregation. <laughs> it's required of us to be two things as stewards, faithful and wise. Can you be faithful but unwise? You can be faithful and unwise. Can you be wise and unfaithful? Let me give you an example of both. If I'm wise but unfaithful, I'm like the servant who was being fired by his master and he gathered all the other, the shrewd managers. Do you remember that story? And, and, and he gathered all the people that owed his master money and said, take your, your, how much do you owe my master? He said, 200 barrels of oil. He said, make it 150. And then to the next one, how much do you own? 100 sheaves of wheat, make it 80. And he gave them discounts so that he would be received well by them when he got fired. He was a wise steward, wasn't he? But he was unfaithful to his master. And what about being faithful but unwise? Lord, you've given me this family. I want to look after them well. I want to care for them for you. Dad, can I watch Barbie? I'm thinking about the smaller one that asks me these questions. Yes, sure you can. Well, I'm not sure that's being faithful even. It's certainly being unwise because what is Barbie going to teach you? Not the best example. Yes. <laughs> 
Yes, 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 come, share, come, right? So the, the ladies that were waiting for the wedding, they, they had their lamps, they were faithful, they were there, they were waiting for the groom, but they didn't bring enough oil. They weren't, why? That's why, oh, just one second, that's why the Bible says when you all meet together, each one will bring something. <laughs> Did you want to say something? The story of the lost coin. Okay. What have you done with your coin? Okay, good. So, so, so this is the requirement that God has of us that we be faithful and wise. Both. Okay. So I would like to help you. Warren, why are you interrupting me? I'm joking. I'm joking. Say Teachable, that you be teachable. That's part of being what? Wise. Being wise, yes. Because if you're wise, you realize you don't know everything. You don't have all the best examples to share. And so you, you get other people's input. Okay, good. So my question is then, and if you were, can I just underline, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Or trustworthy. Okay. So, so now I would love to give you a little game to play. Are we ready to play a game? The way this game works is we're going to have some scriptures come up onto the screen. And you have to guess, because I'm going to give you some practical handles on how to be faithful and wise as a steward of what God has given to you. Your life, your thoughts, your heart, your finances, your relationships, your family. And so we're going to read the scriptures. Why? Because there's power in the scriptures. And what's going to happen is two things. You're going to play this game. You're going to engage your brain. And you're going to, the word of God is going to get into it. And then you're going to start to think like a steward without knowing about it. So don't tell anyone. But that's how it's going to work. Right. And you're going to guess from the scriptures that we read, what is the point? What is the learning point about how to be a faithful and wise steward from this particular scripture? Are we together? Now, I've got a lot of scriptures per each point. And I've got about 300 points. No, I'm kidding. I don't. That was a lie. That's not wise. <laughs> what I was trying to do was to, was, to, was to prepare you for action. Okay, here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Don't store up riches for yourselves here on earth where moth and wrath destroy and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up riches for yourselves in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal for your heart will always be where your riches are. What's the point? 
Okay, we don't know yet. I'll keep reading. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is really life. Anyone know what? Yes, yes, Zach. Steward your time. Yes, have a generous spirit. Close. Yes, Mike. Put your eyes on God and eternity. Would you want to come and preach, Mike? <laughs> no, come. Come. Yeah. This is practice. Bible says is that we are here to teach you how to minister. Okay, minister. Okay, I'll try. Um, yeah, so basically just, as I was saying, looking unto God and eternity and from keeping in a relationship with Him, trying to find, like, trying to find his will and finding who he is personally, letting that affect how you live your life, your relationships with other people, your time, all of the stuff that we were speaking about as things to steward. You should do that more often. Okay, so, so that's the first point. Don't worry, we've got another 17. We really do. Okay, that wasn't a lie. Okay, so, so, so the first one is, Prepare, there's a future coming, there's a kingdom. Focus on heaven, not just here, okay? Um, do you know what it's like uh, if we don't do that? Lon and then Margaret just flew from Italy. California, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe you flew via, it looks like an Italian flag, I, I don't know what, California, okay. California, okay, okay. So they came all the way from California, and was it one or two flights? Two flights, okay, okay, so assume it was one flight, just, okay, they, they get in the plane in Los Angeles, I assume somewhere, okay, no, I'm just going way beyond, okay the illustration, and, and, and then they were, we're going to fly all the way here, and imagine if they, they got into the plane, and they started to use all of their resources and everything that they had to, to gold coat the seat, and to buy a very expensive picture and nail it on the wall next to there where they were sitting. And then to lay carpet so that they can have that nice fluffy white carpet stuff to put their feet on, uh, on the flight. That would have been nice. Yeah, yeah. Eh? Yeah, how did we know? Yeah, yeah. Did they do that? No. Why not? Because they had to get off the flight soon. That's the point. We all have to get off the flight soon. So we shouldn't be too focused now. 
Okay, let's get to the second point. Okay. Number two, some soldiers also asked him, what about us? What are we to do? He said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. Be content with your pay. Philippians 4, verse 11, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Anyone idea? Yes, yes. Be unselfish. Uh, close, close. Yes. Be content. Be content and grateful. Very good. There's one more in that category. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Do you have any idea how much I struggled with this preach? Because... I spend my time buying so much stuff, more than food and clothing. And I'm so often discontent with everything that I have. This number two point, I, I fail. Point number three. Ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Anyone? Yes. Darren. B? Gracious, um, kind of, Delian, receive from somebody, Re charitable, no, nearly, love, you find it in the scripture, that side, Anton, the Lord is our provider. Do you know what we should have done? We should have split the church into sections <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you get points. Anton, you just got the points. Okay. The Lord is our provider. Look to God to provide for you. Don't look to other people. Do you know, I had many, 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 many very wealthy clients when I was working in business. And you know what I noticed about the clients and their families? The dad, the guy who was in charge of the finances and who had a rich family, he was always like running things in the meetings. And most of the time, the children would be very careful, very like whatever dad says. Why? Do you know I met with the, the richest person in South Africa? 
I had a meeting in his office, and he was there, and his son was in the office with him. And I was looking at this, and he was very, you know, okay, so tell me, what do you want? And we can do, yeah. And, and then he would say to his son, go get something to drink for them. And the son would get up and go. And I was like, what is this? And I realized the children of these very wealthy people were doing everything to stay in the good books so that they would get the money afterwards. They were looking to their rich parents to provide for them. But the Bible says don't look to other people to provide. Lift up your eyes. Look to God. Right? Number five. Number four. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. John 14 verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What's the point? Yes, Rui. Faith. Trust, yes. Trust God. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. How many of us are always a little bit anxious in this economy? I mean, I'm talking about in this particular time. Is this a, is this a bit of a worrying time? Hello? Why does he say don't be afraid? Because he's in control. He has overcome the world. What did you say? Yes. Just because I can. So um, this, this thing about being anxious about nothing and um, trying to line my heart up with what Scripture says, and Scripture is truth, and the Word of God is true. Um, and we, we preach this thing, and I know that we need to live this. So this, these past few weeks have really been testing, and, and I, I've been feeling anxious about things. And I've been going to the Word, and I'm like, God, I, and I believe you're real, um, but I'm anxious, so I really, and, and we, we feel that, that we, we lose the peace of God, and we start to see circumstance, and we start to um, let these things kind of creep up, and I don't want it to, but it's there, and I'm, and I'm feeling anxious, so I've determined in my heart, God, I have to stand on word, and I have to petition, and, and exercise faith, so faith is, how do I, is the substance of things hoped for, and, and being certain that He is true to His word, um, and he's been faithful. I would, I would come out of these times just shifting. And, and I'd be, um, and I know these things are supernatural because he's an amazing supernatural God. And it's not a natural thing. Um, and he's faithful to lift the anxiety and, and to fill that place with peace. But there is a work that I have to do to appropriate. I love that word. To make his word and, and bring these things in terms of faith so that they, they experience, because He is alive, he is, he is real, 
and what he says is true is truth. So therefore, I should be able to walk in peace, and I do. So when that anxiety comes, I'm like, God, there's no ways because you're bigger than this thing, um, and my faith is in you. I, it's not on what circumstance presents itself to you. Are you suggesting that it's actually a bit of a fight? Are you suggesting a war? Yeah. Okay. Are you suggesting that this stewardship thing takes effort? Okay. The next one, Proverbs 23, verse 45. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. James chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people. Whip, weep. Not whip. <laughs> weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. It's just South African rand. <laughs> and moths have eaten your clothes. Remember, I came from Zimbabwe. I'm telling you. We had a million Zimbabwe dollars as a family. And then it cost 30 billion to buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> I remember going to buy bread with a wheelbarrow full of cash. I'm not joking. I remember people getting robbed and they took the wheelbarrow and left the cash. It's true. Hey, Nicholas. Yeah. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatted yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Okay, no one knows what the point is yet. I'm going to keep going. Proverbs 11:28. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous shall flourish as the green leaf. Luke 8:14. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Still no hands. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Proverbs 11.4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Anton! Excuse me? Do not put faith in earthly possessions. Yes. 
You can't take it with you. Die before die. I think I agree. I just don't understand. Yes, yes, I agree for sure. Give it while you can. Use it for good while it's in your stewardship. If riches increase, Psalm 62, verse 10, if riches increase, do not set your heart on them. You were right, Anton. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 to 12, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Mark chapter 8 verse 36, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? How many of us, be honest, I'm in the category, have so far lived most of our life focusing on how are we going to be able to make it to get by financially? Stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we still okay? Okay. Now, we're going to get a little bit more serious. And I want to ask you, who are the three people that if we are good stewards, or the three categories of people, if we are good stewards that we should actually provide for? 1 Timothy 5.3, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. 1 Timothy 5 verse 16, If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. What is the first category of people that we must provide for as stewards? Not widows. Family and relatives. This goes very counterculture to the, the Western grow up in the home, leave the home, and then forget about the home. 
Or forget about your brothers and sisters who aren't doing quite as well as you are. There's something very beautiful about the black culture in this country where it's a community and where we are caring for each other and we are educating one another and where we are, we are, we, you know, everyone contributes to somebody to go to university and then they contribute to everyone. Do you agree, Nozzy? There's something very biblical about it. Number two, which is the, so, so we must provide for our relatives, for our families. We must care for them. Number two, who, what's the next category? Let's read it. Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Now, hold on, that can't be right. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles. No, wait, this must have been a cult. <laughs> to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Oh, you see, he was Greek. And he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. Okay, now I'm sorry, it is getting a little bit rough now. Romans 15, verse 25, But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. Who is the second category of people that we must provide for? Our church family. Our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And there's a last category that we must provide for as well. Can I read that one? I can see we, we, we're reaching the end, eh? We're getting a bit tired. Okay? I have been droning on for long. Okay? I can see we're not going to get to all 18, but that's fine. Galatians 6 verse 10, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith.
like the Good Samaritan. Remember that story? Okay. Time's up. We're called to be stewards. There might come another opportunity when we can look at the other 12 points about stewardship. We'll do that another Sunday or another time maybe. What is the thing that, the essence of this thing? We've been given a life. We've been given a heart, a body, a mind. We've been given a family. We've been given relationships. We've been given time and talents and treasures. We don't own any of them. He does. And he's coming back. And he's coming back with a beating. Do you remember that scripture that Joey read? He's coming back with a beating. Oh my goodness. Lucas, you're supposed to end off like light and fluffy. He's coming back with two kinds of beatings. The heavy one. And the light one. And I was wondering, as I was preparing this, I thought, I'm preparing myself for a heavy one. Because now I'm reading all this stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be gathering a garage full of surfboards. I'm supposed to be using my resources for Him and for His kingdom and being generous. So I've got some changes to make in my life. Because I don't want a heavy beating. <clears throat> I've got this, I've got this, I've got this scripture. Get behind me. I'm playing. But the Lord is not playing. And in His kindness, He's reminding us uh, th that you're not your own. You're mine. That is not your house, Lucas. It's mine. That is not your whatever, car, budget, finance, time, calendar, it's mine. And when we look at our lives, are we being good stewards of the master's things? Or are we eating it all? Or getting drunk on it? Or beating the slave, the, the servants? Father, we come to you because you are our master. And because we want... And we, and we do, we love you, and we want to honor you with all that we are and all that we have. Forgive me, Lord, for my stewardship, my bad stewardship in so many things. Forgive us, Lord. And help us now that we know, Lord, to be good stewards. <clears throat>